How's it going guys? So this is a past level diagnosis for step one and step two. If you're having trouble with this, you are going to have serious fucking issues on your exam. Okay, allow me to be an asshole and fear monger like I do in some of my clips. All right. And then of course, we've got some more difficult answer choices here regarding mechanisms of action, but still fucking hyper basic. So before we get started, please subscribe my channel. I really appreciate it. Give the video a like, really appreciate it. Find me on Instagram, melman underscore medical, M-E-H-L-M-A-N underscore medical, link is down below. Find me on Telegram, recently created Telegram group and channel, links are down below. Now let's start the fucking clip. So 24 year old dude, two day history, dry cough, low grade fever, 100 Fahrenheit, serum cholagglutinins are positive. Chest X-ray shows us patchy interstitial infiltrates in both lobes. Radiology does not, fuck am I saying, USMLE does not expect you to be a radiology attending where you look at this chest x-ray and you're like, yeah, obviously those are interstitial infiltrates bilaterally. Bunch of nonsense, bunch, bunch of horseshit, okay? They explicate for you. Patchy interstitial infiltrates in both lobes. That refers to atypical pneumonia. Lobar pneumonias, in contrast, if they said right lower lobe consolidation, dullness percussion, that would be strep pneumo, okay? But bilateral interstitial infiltrates, atypical pneumonia, this is going to be virus or mycoplasma. Now, serum cold agglutinins are positive. This means IgM antibodies against RBCs leading to a cold autoimmune hemolytic anemia, increased proclivity for hemolysis, where you could have increased indirect bilirubin. This is classic for mycoplasma, okay? So this is called walking pneumonia colloquially. You've got this young, otherwise healthy young adult who's just walking around with a bit of a dry cough, doesn't even realize he has a fever, and then you do a chest x-ray and it blows up in your face with all these interstitial infiltrates. This is walking pneumonia. This is mycoplasma. And then the cold agglutinins detail here, very high yield. This clinches our diagnosis. Obviously, we could do, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't word, word it strictly like that. We could technically do antigen testing for mycoplasma, but cold agglutinins highly fucking suggestive of the diagnosis. So uh, questions asking mechanisms, mechanism of action of the drug we would use. So why don't we just go backwards to our answer choices here. So inhibition of viral encoding, wrong fucking answer. This is uh, amantadine that could be used for influenza infection. Not It will not show up on USMLE that way. I just articulate that with regard to what could manifest in resources, okay? That you'll read OMG, uh, amantadine inhibits viral encoding. It's also a Parkinson agent, by the way, increases presynaptic release of dopamine. But amantadine technically could inhibit viral encoding by inhibiting uh, influenza uh, M protein. Um, wrong fucking answer in this case. Next answer, inhibition of neuraminidase, also wrong. Okay, this refers to oseltamivir or zanamivir, uh, which are uh, sialic acid analogs, okay? They're neuraminidase competitive inhibitors. They prevent viral spread within a community. If you give oseltamivir or zanamivir, and you were to do an electron microscopy of influenza-infected cells, you would see the cells are packed with virins because the influenza virus cannot leave the cell. Okay, you need sialic acid, neuraminidase to you need to cleave sialic acid uh, via neuraminidase to leave the cell. The point is, it's the wrong fucking answer. So next one, inhibition of diodorotate dehydrogenase. This is leflunamide. This is the wrong fucking answer as well. This is some obscure rheumatoid arthritis drug that's not going to get assessed on USMLA. The only reason I incorporated it into the answer choices here is number one, to be an asshole, but number two, when students don't know an answer, 
they tend to choose weird sounding shit. Okay, so this is left lunamide in case you're curious. It's not going to show up in your USMLE. Uh, next answer, inhibition of dihydrofolate reductase. This is wrong, but otherwise high yield. I mean, you need to know this is methotrexate, uh, which has a myriad of uses. Uh, first being DMARD for the first line DMARD for rheumatoid arthritis can be used for general uh, chemotherapy, uh, but also psoriasis. Uh, can be uh, trimethoprim, which of course is with TMP SMX, uh, simple UTIs, pneumocystis gerovechi, toxo, um, and also pyrimethamine, which is treatment for toxo. TMP SMX is prophylaxis. Point is, it's the wrong fucking answer, so why don't we just move forward? Uh, inhibition of CD20, wrong answer. This is rituximab. Uh, this is, you know, you just need to know high yield for step one that rituximab is a monoclonal antibody that targets CD20 on B cells, okay? It's a chemotherapy agent. Also just uh, for Hodgkin sometimes, but also just general uh, immunosuppression. Uh, it can have a utility in some autoimmune diseases refractory to other therapies. Uh, next answer choice, inhibition of 50S ribosomal subunit is our correct answer. So the empiric therapy for community-acquired pneumonia is azithromycin, super fucking high yield, and that's a direct answer on one of the new 2CK NBMEs. But even if that weren't the case, it's just high yield overall, okay? I mean, you need to know. Uh, when a patient has a community-acquired pneumonia, even if you don't know it's mycoplasma, okay? Just patient walks in, you think it could be strep pneumo, could be mycoplasma, legionella, chlamydia pneumonia, like you're not sure. We still give azithromycin empiric anyway, almost always. Yes, there are exceptions. If patients have been on antibiotics in the past three months, other comorbidities, et cetera, we could uh, potentially think about a respiratory fluoroquinolone, e.g. levofloxacin, but you need to know azithromycin, a macrolide, okay? Inhibits 50S ribosomal subunit, super fucking high yield empiric treatment, okay? Macrolides uh, can prolong the QT interval. They can cause GI disturbance. That's the most common cause of non-compliance. Azithromycin does not inhibit P450. The other macrolides do. Uh, so... As I said, past level diagnosis here, mycoplasma, uh, walking pneumonia with the cold agglutinins, and then you give azithromycin as empiric therapy. Uh, I'll just I'll just finish off these answer choices. Oh, by the way, 50S ribosome subunit, apart from macrolides, that's also linozolid, uh, clindamycin, and chloramphenicol. Now, inhibition of 30S ribosome subunit, obviously wrong fucking answer is going forward, but uh, that's aminoglycosides such as gentamicin and also tetracyclines. And then formation of toxic metabolites that damage DNA re refers to metronidazole, okay? Targets anaerobes below the diaphragm, uh, as well as Giardia, Entamoeba, Histolytica, Trichomoniasis. Um, so, yeah, anaerobes below the diaphragm, metronidazole, okay? Diverticulitis, I made a recent clip on that as well. A lot we could talk about. I mean, what are we going to do? Make this a one-hour lecture? I know you guys want to see somewhat concise clips here. You know the deal. I'm going to continue making more content. If you like my stuff, subscribe my channel. And I appreciate your time. That's it.